Welcome to the Cult of Comics Podcast. This is Tyler, John, Jan, Josh. What's going on, guys? Don't Welcome forget to about me. Podcast. <laughs> and uh, before we should begin, we should obviously uh, make a small sacrifice. Let's just make sure we get one here. Hang He's on. got a blood boy. Uh, well, I, we're we about for your thing. homies. Hang on, I think I got something here. All right. And let me just grab this little fucker right here. It's this guy right there. Right, oh, Jesus. Peanuts gonna be on your ass. That's fine. That's it. There it goes. All right. And now oh. that's out of the way. Peter are too busy putting dogs down to care. Ooh. Harsh. Yeah, yeah we're always making sacrifices every day. <laughs> and every week we're putting Tyler down. You know what? That makes sense. PETA is a cult. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if they're making yeah. sacrifices every single day. The question is, who are they making the sacrifice to? That's the real question. Generic hmm. God? I don't know. The correct answer is Alanis Morissette. Is it? Sarah McLaughlin, yes. maybe? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Same person, whatever. Because Very it's different Alanis Morissette. I was thinking, is it because it's ironic they care about animals but kill dogs? Well, so what I was thinking is, if she's in every single uh, one of their commercials, it must be like a ritual. Like, they kill a dog, kill a cat, play her music, and then she's appeased, and then she like consumes the leader, their hearts uh, and know, organs. So she's like the Tom Cruise of PETA. Just... Yeah, that would make sense. Like, they're just kind of trying to appease the elder gods, and yeah. this elder god just happens to be Increase Sarah Increase their own power, you know, tax haven, mm. blah, blah, blah. Do you think that... What I think happens is I think that they... Like how wolves in a pack, like the leader of the pack, will eat the liver first. Uh, I think that she consumes the heart and liver before everything else. And I think that that's how PETA, like, gets its money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, welcome to the Cult of Comics podcast. If you've never been on the show before, this is a comic book media podcast. Oh, there you go, Sean. All, All right. right. That's okay. Go find me a good blood boy. I Sean is the blood him. boy. He's, what, I am. young and spry? <laughs> am I? Am I spry? You are, well, uh, you're less tainted by American food. And yet your True. taint is, is very tainted. <laughs> if you've never been on the show before, this is a comic book media podcast. Who would have thought? Uh, where we talk about uh, comic book related things, comic book movies, comic book uh, media in different formats. But most specifically, we're going to be talking about the news in this episode. Today is Monday, uh, the 19th, uh, 2021. It's July. It's getting warmer. It's getting crazier. And, it has been uh, very the... hot here the last few days, as you can tell. It's been getting warm everywhere. Yeah, oh. well, I mean, it doesn't take much to burn you. Just the sun was coming through the clouds a bit more that day. If you get exposed to too much the, like, the sky, light, the light, the sky you get was light gray instead of dark gray one day. Yeah. Mm. So... We're going to talk about a couple things that are going on in the world of comic books today, and obviously there's been a lot of hype around the last episode of Loki, and we'll get to that eventually, but first we're going to talk about comic book comic books. Uh, we're going to talk about Batman the Imposter. Okay. Yes. What is this? So this is a comic written by Matson Tomlin and Andrea Sorrentino. Okay. We like Andrea Sorrentino. I do love Vaguely Andrea Sorrentino. Familiar. Um, have you never seen Gideon Falls? Or, yeah. uh, the? Oh, you have? Fantastic artwork. Honestly, one of my favorite panel designs artists of all time. Kind of like, uh, I don't know, at least from the covers, it's almost like a precursor to Department of Truth style. Uh, I mean, I could see why you would think that. I think that Andrea Sorrentino um, has a bit more of a rough sketched feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, like, if you look at like what he did with uh, Joker, 
Hmm. Uh, killing Killer Smile or Killing Smile. Okay. Uh, he did panels that was literally the emblem of the bat or like teeth smiling. It, and then the panels were the teeth. It's it's very, very creative. It's beautiful. Yeah, so this book is basically taking the question of what if Batman was real as far as narratively possible. Which Wait, is, what do you mean? It's a very original idea that we've not had before. A gritty Batman. But, I'm confused. Are you saying like in like if Batman was in this reality, like in real life, like what would the, he be like? The writer said he takes the question of what if Batman is real as far as narratively possible. And then where does the imposter part come from? I don't know. So it's set around year two of Batman's career. Okay. Um, but it seems there is a second Batman haunting Gotham's rooftops and alleys, and he has no qualms about murdering criminals live and on tape. Hmm. I wonder where the imposter part could come from. Yeah. Who's to say? Um, but Matson Tomlin is the screenwriter for the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. So is it a tie? Really? Yes. Is it a tie-in to the movie? Doesn't look like it based on the costume design. He's but... just getting some practice in. Yeah, it looks like he got a chance to write a Batman book and was like, I'm going for it. So it's a three-issue miniseries. And, yeah. So maybe it's uh, like, you know, some script that they were like, you know what, we're going to go a different direction with this movie, but hang on to that and maybe we'll do a comic out of it. possible. It's interesting. I mean, I've never read anything of Matson's. I, I know, that this, is this his first time doing anything like liter- literary or um, like a book or anything for this? Let us have a look. He's a director and screenwriter. Okay, so, so he's, he's mostly worked stuff. in films. Yeah. I see Jordi Belair ter- uh, tied yeah. to this. I'm excited. As if Andrea Sorrentino wasn't good enough for you. Have so this is Jordi Belair worked with Andrea Sorrentino Batman... before? Uh, I don't know. Okay. This uh, The Batman movie is his first big thing. Wait, who did you say I this was? I mean, that kind of makes sense. This wasn't Matt Reed. Matt Tomlin. Matt Tomlin. How is he involved in the movie? He's, He's a writing screenwriter. For the Batman? Yes. Because it says written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Really? Well, it says he... I mean, in his... Uh... It says he co-wrote it. No, he's on the writing credits. Peter Craig, Bob Kane, Bill Finger, Matt Reeves, and Matson Tomlin. Because huh. I was Apparently just he's looking at something the, called uh... Project Power and Little Fish. Or he's done something called Project Power. I don't know what any of these are. Oh, it's a movie from last year. It's a superhero movie with uh, Jimmy Fox. Um, okay. Jordi Belair did the colouring for Joker Killer Smile. Because nice. I'm looking at Wikipedia. You know. Well, I'm looking at IMDb, so... Those are both... Uh... Reputable sources. <laughs> <laughs> well, I we will, we'll have a nerd fight about porn. this. I, I, you can get some good information on Pornhub. You can. I've been told. Um, <laughs> you definitely didn't look at it yourself. Um, I'm not looking so at it right exciting. now. Oh, yeah. This looks exciting. I'm, I'm uh, pumped to see, for, I mean, for one thing, Andre and Sorrentino is enough to drive me into this, but Jordi Belair like, makes me more pumped about it. I'm hesitant for the writing because I just don't know anything about him, but I'm obviously going to pick it up, especially because it's Visually, the uh, three issue. Nice. Prestige format's yeah. not going to be bad at all. I don't really prestige mind prestige worldwide. 
Do you guys have an issue with prestige format? I don't like how it doesn't fit in boxes. That's my only real complaint. Yeah. Like, I put mine on shelves. Mm. I, it's not yeah. my favorite location, but, I mean, they fit into the Golden Age. Yeah, that's what I was going to uh, ask. Bags and boards. Maybe, like... So it's Golden Age size. Okay. I was going to ask which one age. it was. It's kind of funny how much we've shrunk comic books down at this point, and yeah. they still, like, end up costing dramatically more. Yeah, they. Um, it's all about the content, you know? I guess, but, like... Yeah. I, I like the idea of magazine format yeah. for my books. I don't know. Sometimes uh, I feel like they're just getting rid of like back product or something because some of the comics will come like packaged in like that you know much larger. I don't know if it's silver or bronze age, but it's just like the comic will just shake around the materials a bit. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't think, care. I think stores just use whatever they've got closest to them yeah. when they put it. They're like, oh, the modern bags and balls just three feet over there but I've got this big one here oh well yeah <laughs> yeah I don't mind prestige format I'm actually excited that I was really happy to see that they started making them that way I was just confused when I first saw it mm. but after opening one of the books themselves I actually I, I was sitting there like oh yeah I, I could read this all the time if anything I would prefer all of my comic books to be that size I feel like that has the ability for more content and like bigger view I don't know if I just have bad eyesight but it just I, I drink it in so much more Mm. That's just me, though. Man. Matson Tomlin is getting passed around. So Project Power was on Netflix. On Pornhub? Mother Android is going to be on Hulu. Okay. I don't know where Little Fish is going to be. All right. So it looks like, uh, in other news, there's another... Title with uh, DC versus Vampires in Task Force Z. Yes, these are two Halloween-related series. So we have DC versus Vampires, which is written by James Tyne IV and Matt Rosenberg, with art by okay. Otto Schmidt. Otto. And the title's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to pick it up just because of Tyne. Yeah, but I was just, I've just called up some more information about it. And funny story is, Tyne planned this book to avoid writing DC 5G when it, that was still a thing. He he, to avoid it really. Yes. So, got a excerpt by something he said here, and he said he thought his Batman run was going to end at issue 100, and that was around the time 5G was going to kick off. And after a few conversations, he realised he didn't want to participate in what was cooking at the mainline DC. But they're at what Batman? Really? 110, 112. About 110, yeah. But 5G got cancelled when Dan Didio left. Yeah, but I 5G wondered... was supposed to come out what a year ago. Yeah, um, something like that. Straight. It was supposed to be straight after Death Metal, in theory. So yeah, like a year ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I understand that 5G is cancelled, but I still feel like the idea for 5G is still being implemented in, like... They, they used the idea of legacy, but they didn't yeah. force it. We have characters coming... Like, we've, it feels earned. Whereas 5G was going to just yeah. age everyone 10 years, 20 years... And yeah, a bit of a mess. Instead of pacing it naturally and letting yeah, it like, grow, we've got yeah. John Kent who's been built up as character, and he's still earning the title of Superman at the minute. Absolutely, and whereas, I'm really excited for the Tom Taylor run. Yeah, whereas in 5G, it would have been set like 20 years in the future, and he would have already been. He's Superman. You mean the basically like that issues. issue? Of, yeah. Yeah, the future state issues were basically what 5G was going to be. Then DC kind of reworked it to be a possible future, and then. It's just the a possible future. Of... 
Yeah. Some of them. Some of them might be more concrete. Yeah, I don't really understand what's going on. It feels like there's a lot of different things going to happen. Yeah. They basically just reworked all their 5G stuff to be something a bit more cohesive and did Future State and then... You, I know we're going to get into it later in the comics, but did Darkseid come up at all in the first two issues of Infinite Frontier? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, we'll uh, get to that later. Slut. I'll tell you what. Why don't you read them, Josh? But my wallet. It has a family. But my asshole. I have Go a... fucking get it. Come get your asshole. Come get my asshole, <laughs> baby. Extract it. Did you not like that page I sent you guys the other week from the Psycho Pirate issue? Yeah. Where he was, like, in the pages, and then it zooms out, and he's, like, in the little exclamation mark of Dark Side is. Mm-hmm. That was a cool page. Loved it. Um, yeah, and then Task Force said is written by Matt Rosenberg and art by Eddie Barrows, and it is Task Force X vs. Zombies. However, one thing I'm just going to point out is, Tyler, you remember in Snyder's Batman run? Do you remember Mr. Bloom? Yes. He is on the cover in Zombies. Thank Zombie. God. That is a cool character that no one has like touched since Scott Snyder like, just dumped yeah. him. Scott Snyder dumped cool. a lot of stuff. Do you remember... Um... What was the name of that character who manipulated, like, calcium and his bones kept growing? I don't remember. That was a weird character. Anyways, moving on. This looks interesting. I am definitely going to pick up uh, Tiny and Rosenberg is a good writer, too. I'll probably check that out as well. Yeah, but, I yeah. am a little bored of the, like, concept of, like, throwing a cult figure, like... A oh. superhero that can manipulate calcium to make his bones grow sounds like some... He's like, a villain. It sounds like a serial villain. Or He's like, like his name's like Doctor Bones or something. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, but like, hey kids, get your calcium, make your bones grow. Not like idiot. something like an Adult Swim kind of horror, Cronenberg oh, sort yeah, of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm just tired of them throwing just like monsters at comic book characters and just being like, oh, buy this. It's like when they did Batman versus. Uh, Dracula back in the day, or any superhero versus basically uh, Predator, Batman, Chameleon, or whatever it is. That first issue was weird. I can at least dig that they're doing something a little bit different. It's still really strange, but eh. Speaking of uh, Reptilian, that artist is actually going to be up on the next announcement, which is that Liam Sharp is going to be filling in for Batcat. Just while I've been looking for more information on this, I've just found this book that's been announced that I had no clue existed. Written by Dan Waters, who did the one-shot issue of Last God. Sean has just sent a image to the chat that says, Got Arkham City, the Order of the World, and it has a very interesting uh, color palette. Yeah. You see Gotham in the background, the uh, bat signal in a red hue uh, over the city, and you see a short archway bridge made of cobblestone uh, with several what is assumed characters that are villains underneath it, like trolls in the uh, the story of the uh, goats crossing the bridge versus the troll. One um, of six, four dollars. I don't $4. know. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't. Wait, who did you say Dan Waters was again? He wrote the one shot of Last God. Oh, yeah. Last God. You remember? Oh, he yeah. Did, is he doing the, the art? Songs of writing? Lost Children or whatever. He's writing. Okay. Yeah. He's a good writer. Who is Danny? Yeah, he is. I do not know. Is it Danny it's or Owani? Uh, is that a D? 
Dani. D-A-N-I. Yeah. Okay. It's just a little blurred. I don't yeah, know. That's, kind of this is like, one of those uh, art... What was that? This is like one of those artists that has like art germ in the name, where it's just like one word or chalk. Yeah. I don't know. That person on the right. bottom left kind of looks like, uh, what is that, Lilith or something from the Darkstalkers? I could see that. Yeah. That's got... one of my favorite old like fighting video games. Capcom. Yeah. yeah. Um... That's an interesting little bit of an announcement. Yeah, so uh, I've sent the solicit to you guys. It's basically the last survivors, like nurses and a few patients and security guards who were left over from a, a Joker's attack on Arkham Asylum. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it might be interesting. I mean, I, I'm down for something new all the time. I think that I'm just at the same boat as Josh, though, where, I mean, I do want to be too much more stuff. selective. There's a lot of good stuff out there right now. And yeah, I think the other issue is that there's there's periods where they'll have fantastic runs on something and then just absolute crash. Yeah. And that's really unfortunate because I would like my content that I'm you know subscribing to to be pretty consistent. But, I mean, that's the game you play with a lot of this stuff. I mean, yeah. I was really big into Manifest Destiny, and they fell off. That that just happens. Yeah. There's Jarvis Tetch right there. A man unfit for the waking world. It looks instead for Wonderland. Hmm. Uh, so, this announcement about Liam Sharp filling in for Batman Catwoman uh, is coming along with the delays that have been uh, announced because Clayman apparently is running behind. Yeah. I mean, as far yeah. as I'm aware. Tom King writes the scripts in full before giving them to the artists so this is definitely an art error this is an art delay it's pretty neat but i feel so he doesn't like there still has to be like a bit of back and forth with the artist maybe things change from issue to issue maybe but yeah he said before he delivers a full like a full script to them not like some writers where they're like have fun this panel do what you want he delivers a full script to them tell him what he wants in each panel very mm. on hands director yeah so that's it's been like two years since he stopped writing Batman. Yeah, it was December of twenty nineteen when his run ended on Batman. And then December of twenty twenty was when the book The Batman Catwoman started. Yeah, so what the fuck? Clayman is just slow as fuck. I mean he's really detailed, I get that, but come on, man. Yeah. I guess this is another one of those Gary Frank issues where it's like, hey, I really need the delay because I can't do I like these catch-ups. I don't think he's on the level of Gary Frank. Clayman's art can be very static sometimes and a bit his facial expressions sometimes don't really work. Um I I will not disagree with you, but I do think that when he does expression, it is very human and it's very believable. Um I think there's been one you... time that I just straight up did not oh, shit, like his name is really Was Clayman. It... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's up with all these artists having we, we names need, very we need similar to, to we need to get the artists, clay face book. to the characters? Yeah. Clayman doing art on Clayface. Yeah, um, but like but yeah, you've got um, what John Johns and then the the uh, Martian Manhunter, Jeff Johns and John Johns. The issue I'm thinking of in specific was uh, the cover of Heroes, Heroes and Crisis, Crisis with Poison Ivy. Yep, yep, I knew exactly what it was. Not not, not Poison Ivy, oh. uh, Harley Quinn. Okay, I know what you mean. Do you remember the weird one that just looked like a pinup poster of Poison Ivy? And then they I didn't mind that state. one that much. It didn't really bad, but it got a lot of backlash for a reason I didn't understand. Even Tom King was like, I well, did not approve fuck. this. I fucking, whatever. People get pissed off yeah. about the dumbest fucking thing. She's a sexualized character. Like, that's what she do is. Do you remember that like, random... Poison Ivy. Do you remember that one random issue of Heroes in Crisis that was just very horny? 
and you had like Lois Lane in her underwear, and <laughs> it it just had like three or four different. You had like Batwoman with like a really tight suit on that was like really accentuating her ass, and it was just like one random issue where he drew everything super horny. So this is just I don't remember I'll have the to one where uh, Poison Ivy is just kind of leaned yeah. back posing. Um, she's like lying on the floor dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that one. Um, the, Do you remember? They did edit it, but originally it was like much brighter, and she just sort yeah. of looked very seductive. I see the brighter one. One of the yeah. first things that pops up when I Google it. Mm-hmm. I see um, the darker one. Don't... She looks like uh, she looks like Black Widow. How is that sexualized? That doesn't look very sexualized to me. Like, did it just get edited down, or they edited they before it was very bright and there wasn't much blood, so it just sort of looked like she was lying there, very sexy. I mean, she just looks dead to me, but okay. Um, did, have you seen the original version compared to the new version? Uh, I'm trying to find it, but I, I mean, it. regardless, you know. So that's the original one, and then. <laughs> That's the new one. Yeah. Yeah, either is fine. I don't really see what the issue is. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. The top one doesn't And that's not even strange, the cover though. that it shows. That's like a cover B or something uh, variant. They might have changed it completely, to be honest, after the backlash. I don't know. I mean, she she just looks dead. I don't understand what the issue is. The, the people just get pissed people off kick off over bullshit. nothing, yeah. She's, she's Do doing her best, uh, she's doing her best whap. No, <laughs> Yeah, a couple of years back during the New 52, um, they did a variant cover for uh, Batgirl that featured art by Raphael Albuquerque that yep. they just cut entirely uh, because it had a picture of Joker kind of like doing the hush pose, like with his finger, and, and then he like... had a gun to her head, and she had like mm -hmm. a yeah. smile painted. And it got backlash because, oh, she's a rape victim, you can't do that. Which, fuck you, that didn't happen. She was not a rape victim. Yeah. And everyone who has said that is a fucking idiot. Yeah. And I've actually gotten into an argument with someone before where they're like, yeah, she was raped. And I'm like, no, she was not. Yeah, there's no basis of evidence for that whatsoever. There that's an impression that you made. Pictures that taken. That's literally it. That's not any any That's not indicative of her being sexually Do assaulted. Do I believe that Alan Moore could have implied it and had that as well? Alan Moore yes. said specifically no. Oh, okay, fair That enough. she was not raped. He said yeah. multiple times. He's like, no, that's not what happened. Fair and anyways, I, Joker, I already have enough of an issue like he conceiving of him being in a relationship yeah. exactly exactly he does not strike me as the, the kind of person like maybe there here's the other argument to this the other side of the argument to that is that rape is not about sex it's about power so i could see that but i still have an issue with the idea of him really just getting any kind of boner really whatsoever outside of for batman yeah and this is a weird conversation to have, but that's just how I feel about it. Like, I just don't picture him as a, as a being who can manifest something like that unless it's about getting off with, with Batman. Like, that's where I get... I, I feel it the most. That's it. And when people say that, like, oh, well, this is, like, traumatizing to rape victims, it's like, but you're, you're literally putting shit into other people's heads. You're making an impression and then making it back to the world for you. Just shut up. Get over yourselves. I love comic books, but sometimes the community is really fucking stupid. Yeah, agreed. And really, really pathetically weak. And it just it pisses me off. I would not have an issue with it if the character actually was a sexual assault victim and they were like, oh yeah, don't do that. Because then that's just in poor taste. Yeah. 
But that's just stupid. End rant. Anyways. <laughs> um, Liam Sharp filling in for Batman uh, Catwoman is a little weird. Um, very I shouldn't good be that surprised. Sure. He is a really good artist. I just... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like... This kind of makes me want to drop the book, honestly. With all the delays and now the delay, I feel like I, just, I need yeah. it to finish off my his run. I feel like I started this run five years ago. I need to finish it off. There's what eight issues left. Just That's it. Get it over with. Yeah. No, there's like a. It's twelve issues and there's four. Five, there's five out so far. So seven left. <laughs> there's Six. five out so far. There's five. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Seven issues left. Why not? Drop the ball right at the beginning. If there, if there isn't going to be a one shot again, I think I think they said that there was going to be a back out one shot with Javier, Jumbo Leon, Jumbo Leon, yeah, yeah, and that got delayed. Yeah. All right, so we'll see that to you. This years whole now. Uh, this whole comic is cursed. It really is, unfortunately. I feel like Tom King has really bad luck sometimes. Yeah. Okay, this takes on to some exciting news for me. Um, Something is killing the children is getting a spin off series, House of Slaughter. House of Laughter. Do you remember if there's a Simpsons episode where Homer's trapped in the back of a um, truck and he's on the phone to Marge and he's like, oh, I'm at the Laughter House. And then it just sort of zooms out and you can see the S was just sort of cut off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just think of uh, The Dark Knight. No? Elaborate. What? What the, Dark the Dark Knight. Night? Okay, they're going through the tunnels. Not the tunnels, but like the... Uh, underground highway and the joker pulls up alongside in his semi truck and opens the door and it goes from you know slaughter to laughter they've like completely crossed off the ass or something i don't remember that at all that's That's cool cool. yeah i didn't think about that oh don't stop oh my god you know tyler who knows everything of you here's my impression of you yeah it reminds me of dark knight Just sit in silence. Just sit in silence, Josh. Well, just make you know, you usually like fill in the silence. We just soiled ourselves and you're just making us punish. Hey, man. I usually pay for that. Yeah, Anyways, treat you like I treat my yeah, kids. So this is written by James Tynan and a co-writer, Tate Bromble, who co-wrote Barbalian. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And I've just seen... Still haven't read... I've just seen the variant cover of it, which is a homage to Nice House on the Lake. This is my impression of Tyler. I can see why you would think that, you dumb fuck. <laughs> no, you've got to mention about doing stuff to someone's butthole. Sort of every second or third sentence. So you got to also brush your mustache against it. <laughs> Hold on, i got to grow it. I just shave. <laughs> right here, right now. So this is the co- main cover I've just sent you by... Um, Chris ah. Sheehan, and he is also the main artist for the series. Ah. So the art looks great, very dark and no art. Mm-hmm. Somebody likes Last House on the Left. Really the, pretty. The Last House on the Lake, whatever the name of that comic. I is. cannot begin to tell you how pretty that is. Anyways, uh, this looks exciting. I need to get caught up on this actual series. You do. So, you do. fuck's sake, Tyler, do it. How much are is an issue number one going for these days? I don't know. At one point, it was like $700. It's fucking insane how much it shot up. And it's going to crash, and everyone's going to be so pissed. Yeah, and then I'm going to buy. That's when I strike. Yeah, probably me too. 
you have a foil cover, don't you? I got a foil cover, yeah, from the uh, whatever weird comic book day they did back in November. You mean comic book month? Summer? No. Whatever it no, was. No, it was uh, this last November. It was like a comic book day event where they did like 16 or 20 different comics, just the like number one or something, just a one day reprint. Yeah, that. There she okay. is. That's a original number one first printing. Are you really just keeping that in just a bag and board? Yes. Do you really not have like, you don't have any other protection for that? No, no. You don't have a mylar sleeve yeah, or anything? The best I can do is $5. <laughs> Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go on eBay or BCW, and you're gonna buy a top loader. You're a top loader. How do I spell eBay? <sighs> what is a top F-U-C-K-M-Y-A-S-S. loader? F-U-C-K-M-Y-A-S-S dot com. F-U-C-H-I-A. They don't do F-U-C-K-I-N-G. Tell me what it means to me. I got one of those top loaders for my copy of uh, Edge of the Spider-Verse uh, number two or three. Mm. Um, whatever one is Spider-Gwen, I can't remember right now. Probably two. Uh, and that was one of the better choices I've made. I've got a couple top loaders for all my really expensive comics now. The ones that are like 300 or above. Mm. 200 or below, I'm like, yeah, I should probably take a little more care to this. I'm probably, I'm, I put those in like uh, those really thick plastic sleeves, the Mylars or whatever. Yeah. Um, but to, honestly, top loaders are the way to go. I mean, they, they hold a bag and board comic really easily. I wonder what I have that's worth something. What do you have that's worth something? I don't know, man. You can sell your children's kidneys. <laughs> they're young. Blood boys. Yeah. They're young, they're young. heal. Yeah. Grown back, eventually. What's that, um... Right, yeah. I think the most valuable comic that you have is, uh, Deep Beyond, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I did get that. Yeah. What a great investment. Hold on. What is your most expensive comic? I'm curious now. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I'd have you... to look. What kind of comic book fan are you? Get out. I, I read them and then you I read put them. them away. No, what you do is you buy the ones that you hate the most, continue reading it for 10 years, and then go, why did I read this? And then you cry about it later. Yeah. Maybe it's my collection of Future's End, then. It is. Um, this is an interesting bit of news. Frank Darabont has won. Congratulations! Woo. Come on down. Come on down, Frank. This has been years going on. Frank Darabont has won the lawsuit that he made against AMC over how much money? Um, he was originally suing for $300 million, and he was awarded $200 million of that. And this is for wrongful termination, or...? Um, a bit of everything. I think he was supposed to be... He was supposed to receive profits from a show, but he was obviously fired. Well, everyone's getting that... What do they say? Everyone's getting that Hollywood accounting bullshit, you know? Yeah. And so, well, Frank no, Darabont's just the first one to get a payday out of this, but there's still, like, Kirkman and a bunch of other people that yeah, are still waiting to Kirkman's figure out how much they get them. paid. Kirkman's suing them? Yeah, yeah, Kirkman's been suing them for years as well, over it. He's Kirk- Kirkman's been suing more. AMC? Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of names. Uh, I remember seeing this last week. They mentioned a few people. Kirkman was the only one that posted out. 
why haven't they been paying them? Has there been any re- like revelation? Um, this? I'm just looking for it. I mean, everyone kind of jumped on Hollywood accounting where they're like, oh no, we didn't turn any profit. Sorry, guys. I don't know what that means, Hollywood accounting. Are you saying that this is a normal thing that they've done in the industry? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay, so you're not familiar with that. It's basically like, you know, instead of getting giving money on net or uh, gross profit, they're doing it on net and saying, you know, charging everything and saying, oh, we didn't make any money. We definitely got a loss after the, uh, out of this. Like, there were actors from, you know, what was it? The guy that played uh, uh, um, Darth Fett. Vader. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, Darth Vader. Yeah, you're right. Was it Peter Prowse? Sprouse? David that, Prowse. David Prowse. He was and supposed to receive a percentage for Return of the Jedi, but technically, despite being like a billion-dollar movie, it didn't make any money. Yeah, it, it's never turned a profit. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So they charge all sorts of stuff to, you know, drive up the production cost, and then say, oh, you know, we just didn't make any money. Yeah. Despite George Lucas making like four billion dollars from those movies that fucking blows didn't that guy die didn't david sprouts die recently uh, in the yeah. past couple of years yeah i think it was like la- no i think it was like fairly recently i think it was very very recent i think it may have been uh, even best i can do is two like, years 28th of november 2020 yeah there you go Jeez. yeah that's crazy yeah i just had to Man, rely that's... on all that uh convention money yeah he, really he, he was banned from attending Star Wars conventions. What? Are you serious? George Lucas banned him from them. Wow. God say yeah. it. Why? And so shall so, it be sorry, done. Sorry, kids. George Lucas was a shit person. Is a shit person. That's baffling. Is it just because of that reason? or? Yeah, because David Prowse was very vocal about, like, no, George Lucas fucked me out of money. I yeah. didn't get paid for this movie. I, I would be saying that, too. Can yeah. you imagine being in one of the most successful franchises in the world and not getting paid for it? Can you imagine it? being Darth Vader and not getting paid for it? Being Darth Vader and having yourself dubbed over. Well, to be fair, his voice was not, like... No, no, but to be like, yeah, that's me. Oh, man, you um, sound so cool. No, I'm just the guy in the costume. Yeah. yeah, so Frank Darabont was supposed to receive a share of profits from The Walking Dead. However, um, they used modified adjusted gross receipts... Which Ugh. I guess goes into the gross profit thing, and also AMC amended his contract in season two to account really? for the modified adjusted gross receipts. So, like when they went to renew him, they amended it. I don't know. Okay, that's fair. I can't ask you if this is not like you were, like not even sure on. if it was like needed to be amended. Probably sign like, oh, I'll be the, you know, showrunner for the you know the first five seasons sure. if you keep renewing. Well, I mean. Yeah, so he was awarded um, 57 million dollars for past profit loss or whatever Mm -hmm. I don't know but 143 million was for future loss of profit yeah you know what though good for him he deserves this bastards anyway Loki Loki director is not returning for season 2 what do you think about that Josh yeah, so Kate Heron's not returning for season two, which is surprising. Was she? Yeah, I think I saw in the discussion that maybe, like, Feige was like, oh, you know, we need to tie this into a bunch of stuff, and but was maybe we'll keep doing But was she the showrunner or just the director? Both. Oh, no, so Michael Waldron is the showrunner. Um, she directed all six episodes, and um, 
Yeah, it's like with WandaVision, Matt Shackman directed all six episodes, but it was written by Jay Schaefer? Jack, Jack Schaefer. Schaefer, yeah. Jack Who Schaefer. also wrote yeah. Black Widow. So, yeah, there's going to be a second season, but they're going to find a... Uh... A new director, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think the directing was good in season one. I think some of the cinematography was really, really strong. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I power watched it all in a single day. What did I tell you? You were like, oh, I'm not really feeling was, I, I'm I like, happy no, I took that break. I really am. I was, it's been too much. Yeah. There's been too much stuff coming out. It's, I feel the same way, but... Not enough. Oh, fuck Not off. enough. Nowhere near enough. You need to watch an episode and let it sink in, and then go watch the second sure. episode. You can't just no. do it all at you once. You need the hype. You need the speculation. You need to finish that and be like, right, what's coming next week? Where is Mephisto fitting into you all You gotta this? participate in the audience's theories. Yeah. They do say that that is the reason why people enjoy it a little bit more. Uh, yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, because you get yeah. the hype. You get the week-to-week excitement. Yeah, you get to come up with theories and have to be proven wrong in the next episode. And he's gone. Um, yeah, that's okay. Good. Um, um, Jonathan Majors as King. It's pretty I good. I really liked him. I, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect for, you know, the guy that he who remains kind of seemed like, oh, it'd just be some, I mean, it beats having some I old, like, like Gandalf yeah, wizard. I like how he wasn't ominous. He was very sort of playful and a bit kooky, which you would be if you were stuck at the end of time alone with only yeah. Miss, what's her name? The little, like... Time. The little time, time characteristic. The little AI thing. Miss, Miss Minutes. Minutes. That was it. Yeah. yeah. She was... Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure who it was at first, because I'm not exactly familiar with Jonathan Majors. Like, I keep meaning to get around Oh, no, as soon as Country. he popped up, I didn't... I wouldn't really recognize him from anything else, but as soon as he popped up, I was like, oh, okay, that's... Well, yeah, because he got announced. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I assumed it was Kang and the way, you know, he's dressed and the way he Actually, described Actually, he was Immortus. He's not Kang yet. Okay. Kang was the statue at the end of the, the episode. Yeah. I wonder if you had, you know, they had the face that was all sliced up and... Well, no, everyone I mean else is, is a variant. The, well, yeah, that's, all that's the other what Kangs I mean. Are is like... But the, uh, the face that they had to represent the timekeepers... I'm wondering if you shifted all those pieces back together instead of having mm. the different slices, whether or not that would still be his face. It's kind of hard to um, see. I'm trying to think here. So, based on the video that you had sent me, Sean, I have been thinking about this, and I feel like every bit of Marvel TV has been leading up to the Multiverse of Madness at some point. Yes. Yeah. Well, leading up to well, phase, four. phase four. Whereas this just straight, this just straight up went pretty like, much. You know, here's I mean, the multiverse. Black Widow is kind of standalone from the rest of Phase Four. Like it, it will still kind of connect. I'm, I'm going to. All of these are kind of leading stuff, up. Which it is. Let's be honest. No, it's Phase Four. It is part of Phase Three, but you have you know, it's setting up stuff for Phase Four. I'm putting it right between Civil War I and think, Infinity uh, War on the Blu-ray shelf. Sure. Uh, but Spider-Man Far From Home is basically the start of Phase 4, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, that was the end of Phase... Mm. It was still Phase 3. That was like a, F, like a swan song to Endgame. Alright, so I, I, I do want to mark down 
uh, that there's a Kang comic, uh, five issues, I think, starting in August, that'll be, I would say, kind of like a primer, you know, for anybody that's not familiar with Kang, anything from the comics. So I'm probably mm-hmm. going to start picking that up. Okay. Um, I mean, if it was me, I would definitely recommend checking out the Charles Soule run of Inhumans as well. Uh, he is a character in that. Um, he has a lot to do with uh, the Avengers pretty regularly. I would say that uh, his most recent stuff with uh, No Road Home is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, he just kind of reminds me of uh, Apocalypse for the X-Men. Where he's just Why? this guy that's you know, I don't know if Apocalypse is balancing around through time, but he's, you know, kind of always been as far as, like, the X-Men are concerned. Well, Apocalypse was the first mutant, basically. Uh, he was the one who uh, originated in the oh, the uh, yeah. Egypt, obviously. Yeah. I think that's another so thing that it's... kind of reminded me is when I was looking through that uh, you said it what was his name? Invictus or something? Immortus. Immortus. And the future goes all the way back to maybe ancient Egypt and does sort of the same thing, becomes like a god there, like Apocalypse does. I don't know if he does. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. I was um, just reading this was the... basically a version of Kang joined the TVA and I don't really know. But that was a version yeah. we saw in Wanda- in Loki because he had the same costume. And then at sure. the end, when you see the statue and he has the classic Kang costume, that is Kang. Yeah. Sure. Hmm. Um, I would say that Apocalypse is more linear, like he maintains in his timeline than anything else, whereas Immortus, Kang, and all of the different yeah. variations of him kind of bounce around. Like, they uh, go into other timelines, they'll come into yeah. other realities. But Apocalypse also has, like, what, a sarcophagus or something to always kind of revive himself every time he dies? Yeah, but that's less. That's less about that. Again, that's more like him being in his timeline that helps him yeah. maintain his long life. Yeah, rather oh, than... I, I, I'm not trying to get at the uh, time travel thing, but kind of becoming a god, and even if you defeat me, another part of you know another me will pop up, sort of thing. Uh, I would say that the closest that Apocalypse would have to that would be the Force Horsemen, because they are. Uh, in essence, expansions, extensions of him yeah. in different ways. But like that's it. Um, but I can see why you would probably want to make that connection. Um, I, I personally wouldn't. I would say that they're, they're powerhouses, but they're different in their uh, own ways. Um, so basically, the long, like to make a long story short, it's same, same, but different. Uh, basically, yeah. So, we should move on to WandaVision's Emmy nominations. Sure. Yes, so 23 of them. And what are they for? They got uh, Best Original Series? Best Limited Series? Best okay. lead actress for Elizabeth Olsen, best lead actor for Paul Bettany, what best supporting actress for Catherine Hahn, best directing, best writing, best production design, best casting, best costumes. I can't read this. What is this? A screenshot for ants. Um, best, <laughs> best period high style uh, hairstyling and makeup, best special effects, best main title design, best music composition. Best main title music, best original music, best music supervision, best single camera editing, and best sound mixing. What is best music supervision? The guy who walked around and was like, make that better. (laughs) And how do you get. This song needs to bop more. I don't know. And how do you get double nominated for best single camera editing? Is it like for each episode? 
Don't ask questions. I don't okay. know, best writing got three nominations. So it's by okay. Yes, that's not much. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of options. It is still twenty twenty pandemic. Stuff. I think it yeah. deserves most of those nominations, except for best series and best writing. The ending just ruined the whole thing for me. I mean, and also the big like. I liked most uh, of it, but it's just a very disjointed show when you look at some of it was like the TV show and it didn't really make sense. They tried to do House of M and failed. Sure. You know how, like, you're about to leave, where well, you're jerking off alone and then you're about to come. Yeah, in the And bathtub. then you're like, and then you... St- <laughs> With the bullseye in your belly button yes, and you're aiming exactly. for it and you're hoping you're going to get the score of the points because then you have to punish yourself later yeah. if you don't get the points. Josh missed this conversation because yeah. he was late. He has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Anyways, um, that, that point where you're like, oh, fuck, I have to stop because, like, random reasons someone's coming or, like, you have tours to do. That's oh what god, that the kids are knocking on the me. door. Exactly. They knock, They the, the kids knocked on the door, they came in, and then, that was no. what I felt. I felt edged with what they did with uh, Pietro. It just, fuck that. Yeah. I didn't get my, I knew it was a misdirect as soon as it I came on. I fucking hate it. I, and you, I you hate were like, it. You and all my friends were like, no, like, my friends probably were like calling me like a full-on idiot for thinking it's not the real one, and then... They called you an idiot? Worse words. That's harsh. That. Yeah. All right. The word retarded came up. Oh my god! And then, th- then I was proven right, and I was like, "So you're gonna admit I was right?" And they were like, "Oh, I don't care." It's like, no, <laughs> you guys are dicks. They don't want to. Admit I never it, cared in the yeah. first place. <laughs> I'm not an asshole. Never. Not you. Uh, the next start. The next Star Trek is being directed by Matt Shackman uh, from WandaVision, and Matt Shackman is he was the head. Uh, creative element on this showrunner yeah yeah I'm no, yes. he was the no wasn't uh jack schaefer the she was showrunner i have no idea i'm getting the mix up then i feel like one division's got a lot of hype and i think that there's been a lot of great things that have come out of it i don't think that it was as good as everyone has Director made it out to be at this division. point though okay okay yeah, from really uh, I think from the, the Nightman Cometh job. episode of <laughs> It's Always Sunny in he Philadelphia. Wrote that? Yes, <laughs> oh, that's, that's my amazing. favorite episode. Wait, he wrote it. He yeah. God damn it! Fucking Try advertisement loader. He directed the episode. Let me check writing. No, he directed the episode for the Nightman Cometh. Really well done. That's one of the best episodes ever made. That's a piece of pop culture history right there. Alright, cool. Um, hopefully the next Star Trek film doesn't suck. Um, we. This is the part of the news that I actually wanted to talk about the most. Richard Grant wants to make a Crocodile Loki spinoff based in on much, the... Uh... Sorry. Go ahead. In as much as people are like, hey, how would you like this? And he's like, oh yeah, I would like that. Let's do that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that would be hilarious. Like, I, want I wonder, I wonder what that would look like. Would it just be like a scenario of just Loki being Loki in like all of the Marvel universe, except they just replace him with a crocodile or an alligator? In sure. Fact, Deadpool kills the Marvel universe. We have Crocoloki kills the yeah. Marvel universe. You could just do like little animated things, little animated shorts. Yeah, we've got that animated Guardians of the Galaxy show coming. Yeah, yeah. Do an animated Crocodile Loki series. Wait, they're making an animated... 
I didn't yeah, know that. A, or is it a Groot, a Groot show? Yeah, I something. think it's Groot. Groot, yeah. Yeah. I like those little comics that people have already drawn. Uh, there was another tidbit from the uh, article where uh, Richard Grant says, you know, they drew, they sent me, you know, some mock-up uh, drawings of the character that I would be playing. And he, you know, he was all, you know, muscly, and I thought they'd have, like, a muscle suit for me. And then I show up and I say, where's my muscle suit? And they're like, there is no suit, it's just you. He's like, well, it's just thin old me. <laughs> All right. Is there any other news we want to drop around? I think it was just those. All right. This has been the news segment of the Cult of Comics. We're going to cut it off here, and it's just under an hour, thank goodness. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the podcast locations, except for Stitcher, which I'm still working on. I don't know why it's taking so long. Uh, but you can check us out on all of those locations, and it's thanks to Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is the reason why I've been able to produce and make this podcast happen. Uh, you can also support us by giving us a like, giving us a share, giving us a follow, but most importantly, you should give us a dollar. Go to patreon.com slash comics. And uh, every time you give us a dollar, it's more uh, a stronger likelihood that we can go live out and uh, not die in the streets. So thank you for that. Well, not, maybe not Josh. Josh is fine. He's got that government money. Maybe. What's it like building a missile silo in the middle of the Midwest? You gotta husk a lot of corn. Is it true that David Harbour's character in Black Widow is partially based on your life? <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Very soon it would be time to leave. <laughs> uh, you can find me on TikTok. It's going to be Tyler Brown is here. Sean? Uh, Twitter at SeanWalsh747. And you can find Josh on 4chan uh, telling you how to make pipe bombs and how to overthrow the government. I don't even need these glasses. <laughs> it's all one trick. Hey. Uh, anything else we should chat out or anything? Tyler, go watch Black Widow. Yeah. All right, fine. Have a good rest of your day. All hail and uh, sacrifice a small blood boy today. <laughs>